It's so good to be home. <laughs> so this month's theme is free to create, and I feel like I've missed it. <laughs> it's like I've, I've been gone for half of it. How, did, how was it going? Free to create, it's going well? Okay, good. I'm so glad. <laughs> Today's talk is messes and majesty, which we are free to create. Messes or majesty, right? Or, or both and, you know, which, which I kind of feel like I create all the time, right? Don't you? Do you like, you know, you create your own mess and you clean it up, you create your own mess, you clean it up, you know? It's like, I think a lot of life is swinging back and forth between making the mess, cleaning it up, forgetting who we are, remembering who we are, <laughs> between our unskilled behavior and our skilled behavior, right? Bumping up against people and just, just then having to clean up that mess, you know? First we're drowning, then we're walking on water. You know, I mean, we do, I think we do that all the time, you know? Recognizing the difference between a good idea and a God idea. You know, I, I do that often. <laughs> between trusting spirit and going it alone, I can handle this, you know, right? And then you feel like you can't handle anything, <laughs> you know? Ernest Holmes, Ernest Holmes said, but if we are divine beings, why is it we appear to be so limited, so forlorn, so poor, so miserable, so sick and unhappy? <laughs> the answer is that we are ignorant of our own nature and also ignorant of the law of good which governs all things. He goes on to say, I believe that all things are governed by immutable and exact laws. These laws cannot be changed or violated. Our ignorance of any law offers no excuse for its infringement, and we're made to suffer, not because God wills it, but because we're ignorant of the truth. We're individuals. We have free will. We have self-choice. We can, we can learn to experience about mental... Let me say that again. We shall learn by experience about things mental and spiritual, just as we have about things physical and material. There is no other way to learn, and God itself could not provide any other way without contradicting its own nature, right? We must have free will, and we must be left alone to discover that inner divinity ourselves. If we were programmed to know it, there would be no free will. Oh, yeah, right? See? Yeah, I know. So it's ours to do. Messes or majesty, gory or glory, you know, what's it going to be? Well, it's both and, isn't it, really, when it comes down to the humans? It's both and. We remember, and then we forget, right? We recognize our own divinity, and then we, we kind of wander off, and we just sort of forget who we are. We're immersed in truth, and then we go for walkabout. <laughs> I love that. They, do, they talk about that all the time in tennis, when two tennis players are really into it, you know, and then one of them all of a sudden stops playing really well. And, and I remember Cliff Drysdale always said, oh, he's gone on walkabout. It's like, that's what we do, isn't it? We just sort of wander off for a while. We forget who we are. And then we come back, and then we remember. We recognize the truth, uh, you know, the spiritual truth, and then we get hypnotized by the material world, and we start thinking that has any truth or power. We allow ourselves to be controlled by the effects instead of controlling them. You see how that happens? We recognize spiritual truth that everything begins in mind, and then we look at the consequences of our thoughts, and we think that has any power. 
It has no power. It has no power other than the power we give to it. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. We are the cause of our own effects. Right? Mind creates, and then we get to gaze at the effects, and then we think, for some reason, that those things have any power over us. They're not. They don't. Effect is merely the manifestation of thought. You are the cause of your own effects. And when we, when we increase our power, well, when we increase our belief in our power to co-create from the unseen to the seen, that's faith, right? That is faith to believe that we have the power to co-create, to make manifest something in the seen from the unseen. Ernest Holmes said it, too, in, in, uh, in The Basis for Spiritual Healing. He said, the prayer of faith is not a method by which or through we convince omniscience of anything. Right? All right, then, he says. Does the prayer of faith influence the law of God? No. The desk is held in place by gravitational force. I can move it because I have free will. I can move myself about in the law that holds things in place because I have free will. But if everyone on earth were to pray, the law not exist, it would still be there. It would still be there. The prayer of faith is about aligning with that power and presence that is still there, that will always be there, that power and presence that always exists. It's never about trying to convince a reluctant God to do anything on our behalf. Is it, a, it is about aligning with a power and a presence. He goes on to say, we must agree there are laws of nature which are independent of our belief, yet they operate on that belief. Not because you and I believe it, but because something operates on our belief. That power and presence that is always there, that is the power of faith. That's the subtle difference that he always talked about between the statement, you know, who by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature, and then the other quote that says it is done unto us as we believe. Now, you take those two together, it seems like a contradiction, right? It seems like a paradox, like those two don't coexist. But we co-create things not by taking thought or holding thought, although everything begins in thought, but by aligning with truth. And then the truth must outpicture. We take thought. We take thought to grow a tree. We plant an acorn. We take action. And an oak tree grows. But we didn't hold the thought. We aligned with the truth. We, we did our part, and we let the law work out as it works out. It is this immutable law. Our thought did not put the oak tree in the acorn. See what I mean? Our thought led to the action to plant it. It's about knowing what's happening beneath the surface without having to see it. 
We didn't make the law. We didn't make the tree. We simply allowed a law that already exists to operate through our action by aligning with a law that always exists. Or, um, Emma, Emma talked about faith growing itself in us. I love that. And we're studying Emma, and so I've got to bring her into this conversation. She said, faith in goodness, faith in goodness will feed itself and increase itself in the same way in us until we rise and work miracles through it. We don't seem to handle our faith. It handles us. We become the faith we always were, since faith and God are one thing. Isn't that lovely? I just love that. So the more we stay in faith, maybe the less messes we create. I don't know. <laughs> right? The more we stay in faith, faith, the less we fall into doubt. And the more we see those little subtle changes in our lives, we have to continue to affirm truth and deny the false belief. Right? Continue to know truth and deny the false belief. Ernest Holmes said our philosophy is very simple, but not easy. Right? That's what he said. It's very simple, but it's not easy. Our work is done in truth all the time. Not in matter, not in the condition. Our work is always done in truth. That's why we are not to be swayed by appearances. Right? Judge not by appearances, right, 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 you know, in the Bible. By, but by righteous judgment, judge not by appearances, because appearances are just the conditions. It's the stuff in the physical level. It's the matter. And the matter is the byproduct of the thought. It is a manifestation. We look at our life. We look at our jobs. We look at our bodies, and we think, oh, my God, i got to do something about this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But what we're looking at is we're looking at the effect. We're not looking at cause. We change the cause, the effect will change. We're looking at the effect and we're thinking it's cause. But the only thing that will change the effect, the condition, the manifestation, is first change in cause. The belief, the knowing, the prayer, the holding to the truth in spite of what it looks like. Right? In spite of what it looks like. As long as we look at the outer and we think it has any power over us, we are going to be at the effect of it. And it has no power over us. It is simply a product of our thought. Look at the life you're living right now. It's the report card on your previous thinking. It's what it is. Look at your life right now. It is the report card on your previous thinking. If you don't like what you're seeing, the first change is the change in mind. It is the change of cause, not running around changing all of this stuff at the level of the condition. If we're going to change anything, our bodies, our jobs, our living situation, our loving situation, whatever, it is always done in mind first. Because if you're running around at the effect of everything, you will forever be stamping out fires. You know what I mean? If you're just looking at the effects, if you're just looking at the outward picture and, you know, trying to fix that all the time, my God, that's exhausting, and you never get to sleep. <laughs> Anne, Anne Lamont, did you, do you like Anne Lamont? I love her. She, anyway, she said, you wake up one day and you're 65 or 75 and you never got to write your memoir or you never got that novel written or you didn't go swimming. 
in those warm pools and oceans all those years because your thighs were too jiggly, or you had a big, fat, comfortable tummy, or, or you were just so strung out on your own perfectionism and people-pleasing, you forgot to have a big, juicy life. <sighs> Creative life of imagination, of radical silliness, of staring off into, into the sky when you were a kid. It will break your heart. Don't let this happen. Don't let the effects, don't let the, the outward manifestation rule your life. Don't let the outside inform the inside. It needs to be the other way around. Because, be, not because, but be cause. Be the cause, right? Continue to know the truth, even when the outside doesn't look anything like you think it ought to. Just continue to hold the truth. Even when the outside looks like, you know, chaos, know the truth. You know that saying, I love that saying, you know that saying, you know, you hear it around a lot, that God doesn't give you, never gives you more than you can handle? That's BS. <laughs> I'm just here to tell you. God gives you more than you can handle all the time. Right? That's what practitioners are for. That's what ministers are for. That's what your spiritual community is for. God gives you more than you can handle a whole bunch. That's what surrender is for. All right? When you get to the point you're like, just don't have a clue. Do not have a clue. That's what your spiritual practice is for. You know, yeah, bring your false beliefs and your old, tired, inadequate, small self to spirit and see what happens. See what happens. You're transformed. You're transformed. And maybe, maybe we get those too big for us to handle moments. So we will practice surrender. So we will get our over overstuffed egos out of the way and say, God, you know, handle it. I can't. It's all yours. We do that. We do that when it gets to be too much. Those too much moments are gifts because they get, our, they get our own ego self out of the way, the I can handle itself, the I don't need God self. It gets that out of the way. You know that, that, talk, that, that joke about the guy riding around in the, in the parking lot looking for the spot you know, closest to the store, and he was like, couldn't find it, up and down the aisles, and finally he was like, God, I give, you know, I give, I just need a spot, and sure enough, right at the top of the aisle, right in front of the store, the spot opens, he pulls in, he goes, never mind, God, I got it, <laughs> right? We forget, we forget. We need to practice surrender. We practice, and that's faith, right? To not know. I don't know how it's going to come out, I just know it's good. I don't need to read the end of the book, I just know it's good. It's good. We get to practice our faith, expand our faith, grow our faith, right, in the face of conditions that are to the contrary. Ernest Holmes said this. He said, prayer and its answer, a treatment and its performance should be instantaneous and simultaneous. I mean by that that faith and what it does is the same thing. Prayer and what it does is the same thing. Treatment and what it does is the same thing. Because the image held before the reflective medium of the law of cause and effect, like the plant in the ground, 
using the infinite potential of the law, uses it only in permitting the law to reflect back the exact likeness of the image. Every law in nature works the same way. As we continue to practice our faith in the face of fear, in the face of doubt, in the face of mistrust and disbelief and lack and limitation and any condition that you can dream up, as long as our, our faith, the practice of our faith, it is just as big and just as dramatic. You know how dramatic you get when things are going to hell? Okay, do you realize how, oh my God, you know, you get that whole, you know, Velcro hand on the forehead thing. Oh my God, if you can be just as big, just as dramatic, just as passionate about your faith, then that turns things around. When we continue to practice our faith in, right in the midst of things looking different. Because here's the deal, we've co-created the mess, right? That's what we said in the beginning, we co-created the mess to begin with. So now you co-create something different. You co-create more majesty and less mess. You co-create more glory, less gory. <laughs> you co-create in a different way, awake, aware, alive. You know, what Ernest Holmes talked about, flinging yourself into, I love that, flinging yourself into the infinite sea of receptivity, right? Loosing all moorings. And that's the person who will get the most demonstration. Just, just fling yourself in there without hesitation, without, oh my God, how's this going to work? I don't know how this is going to work. I don't want to do it unless I know how it comes out and all of those, those human questions we have, right? So you just, you just ignore that and you fling yourself into that sea of infinite receptivity, loosing all moorings, and you're the one that gets the, the, the most demonstration. You want to meditate? <laughs> I'm not working this morning. <sighs> We want to demonstrate the grandest life we can. We're here to demonstrate our authentic selves and not holding anything back, not regretting anything, not, not woulda, shoulda, coulda when you get to the end of this physical life, right? You want to use it all up and do everything and just let yourself be yourself, your beautiful, magnificent, whole, perfect, and complete spiritual self that you are. We get to demonstrate the life of our dreams when we hold nothing back. Ernest Holmes said, we have free will. Well, he said, you have free will, is exactly the exact quote. You have free will. You are an individual. You can start today and build a new law of attraction within yourself. You can so recognize the presence of life in everything that you do, think, and say that you create a new environment, new circumstances here and now and quickly. No one else can do this for you as well as you can do it yourself. Then decide to think happiness and peace. Keep this secret within yourself. It is sacred to you. It is the true holy of holies within you. You have the power. You do not have to beseech life to be good or to bring good into your life. Life is like the sun. It shines on everything. Get out of the shadows. Crawl out of your basement. Open the windows of your mind. Open the doors of your soul. Lift up your thought and let life be to you whatever you wish it to be. Thank you.